Welcome to Bare Roots, the podcast that unearths the truth. Allegedly. We're your hosts. I'm Alina. And I'm Shannon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bare Roots Podcast. Today, we have an exciting episode because we're going to go into a little bit more of a storytelling type situation because we're going to talk about one of the greatest mysteries that is still unsolved to this day. And it's all about this guy named D.B. Cooper. You may have know or you may know who he is you may not know who he is personally I haven't heard of him but my goodness this story is a good one so buckle up get ready grab a coffee or whatever and listen to this episode because it's going to be a good one and I'm excited to hear your thoughts Shannon on it and what our listeners think because like I said it's a good story so how are you feeling today Shannon? I'm feeling good. Yeah, this is the story of the only unsolved plane hijacking mystery in the U.S. So mm-hmm. pretty exciting stuff. We're just going to hop into it, I think, right? Yeah, let's do it. We got to take us from the beginning, Shannon. What happened? How did he get away with this? Did he get away with this? Like, we got to go over all the questions. Okay, so to go to the beginning, we are going to go to November 24th, 1971. And yes, that is Thanksgiving Eve of that year. Mm. This is when a quiet man calling himself Dan Cooper approached the counter of the Northwest Orient Airlines in Portland, Oregon. He used cash to buy a one-way $20 ticket on flight number 305 bound for Seattle, Washington. And I did the math and that's $143 today, which I mean, from Portland to Seattle shouldn't cost that much, you know, it's kind of like skipping a jump, right? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's kind of pricey for a one way, I guess. I don't don't know. Well, sometimes, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes close trips are more expensive because it's like you could just drive, you know? That is so true. So this Dan Cooper appeared to be in his mid forties. He was white. He was wearing a business suit with a black tie and a white shirt. And he was about six feet tall. Once on the plane, he ordered a classic bourbon and soda and he sat there waiting for the flight to take off. Yeah, totally normal. No red flags. No, he's like unassuming guy. Short time after 3 p.m., he handed the flight attendant a note indicating that he had a bomb in his briefcase and wanted her to sit with him, which can you imagine receiving that note as a flight attendant? Yeah. I read one account that he just handed it to her and she would get, or I guess flight attendants in general, get a lot of phone numbers from, Mm -hmm. you know, passengers i was gonna say like clients That's um, from passengers so she just kind of like put it in her pocket and walked away and then he wrote another note it's like you better look at that note. yeah 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 like <laughs> you better imagine here you are trying to be this like big bad guy and you're like hey i got a bomb look at my note but then she's like oh my god like this is just another dude wanting <laughs> me to call him he's like no seriously look at the note <laughs> That must have hurt his ego. (laughs) (laughs) She, you know, read the note. She did as she was told, sat down next to him. And he showed her a glimpse of a mass of wires and red colored sticks in his briefcase and demanded that she write down what he told her. 
And then she brought that note to the captain of the plane and the note set demanded four parachutes and $200,000 in $20 bills. And that's over $1.4 million today. This bundle would weigh about 21 pounds, which was, you know, this whole thing was planned out and strategic. Mm. So the reason why he requested that much money in $20 bills was that if he did it any smaller, the package would weigh so much that it would affect Mm. him jumping out of the plane. But then obviously larger bills, especially at that time, larger bills would cause more suspicion. You can't have, you Mm -hmm. know, too big of bills. So he also specified that he wanted the bills with random serial numbers, not sequential. So it'd be like harder to track, which is clever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. It's a good one. (laughs) However, the FBI who got involved promptly (laughs) made sure that they all started with the letter L. He's like, so they, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Part of his negotiation was that, or demands, not really a negotiation, demands, (laughs) was that the flight had to stay in air while the money and the parachutes were being procured. So over the intercom, the pilot said that they were circling due to a mechanical problem. And most of the people on the plane were unaware that a hijacking was even happening which i would be like um can we get down <laughs> you know why are we circling can we please get down? yeah you're solving like one problem but then causing another problem yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, what kind of mechanical problem can we yeah not so funnily enough the parachutes were harder to get than the money i think they went to the fbi went to the owner of the airline and got it from him but the parachute the Air Force first offered, hey, we have some on the base. You can have them. Mm-hmm. But Cooper denied this because he wanted civilian parachutes, not military grade. So the local police had to contact a skydiving company and they supplied the request for parachutes. So it just took a little bit of time to kind of like go through all those hurdles. Finally, the flight landed in Seattle and the hijacker exchanged the flight's 36 passengers, which Small plane, you know, 36 passengers, pretty small. Yeah. But they all got off safely. He exchanged them for the money and the parachutes. Howard Cooper kept a couple of the crew members, you know, obviously he needs the pilot. And then he kept another flight attendant. He ordered that they go to Mexico City. He was really specific about how they did that. He said that they needed to fly no higher than 10,000 feet and slowly at 200 knots. So obviously easier to jump out of the plane. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the authorities obviously you know once once you get the request for parachutes you know you know the guy's gonna jump you know right right <laughs> so they knew that but with the extra parachute they were afraid that he was going to take one of the crew members with him because it mm-hmm. was like two sets of parachutes because there's one backup one or whatever mm-hmm. so they were kind of afraid because they originally thought hey maybe we'll give him a dummy parachute but they didn't want to do that if he brought somebody else right right which maybe that was his plan all along yeah because that's initially when i was researching i would have thought too they would have just been like oh we're not giving a dummy one but it makes sense they had to think about all of the consequences of that they brought the crew member right like why did he request two Mm-hmm. So he specifically chose that flight as well because he allegedly knew a lot about the type of plane that it was. 
and he knew that the back door back door could be opened during flight. And he actually asked one of the flight attendants to read the safety card on it or something. And Mm -hmm. he asked her if it could be opened. And she's like, I don't think it can be during flight. And he's like, you're wrong. It can, which is wild that it can. I don't know if they still can. (laughs) But um, (laughs) he also knew the rate at which the fuel could be loaded into the plane. So they kind of tried to fib him out and say, hey, we're going to fill up the tank. And they weren't going to fill up the tank, so they would have to land earlier or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or unexpectedly or something. But he counted the minutes that it was taking to f- fill the fuel. It was going longer than what they had originally told him how many, you know, like how empty the tank was. Right. And so he was like, nope, we're not doing this. So he had them fill it up. They went and they actually mm-hmm. did fill it up all the way. He also ordered the cabin to deep to be depressurized because at 10,000 feet, it was, it's safe to like breathe the air and there would be less of a gust when the door opened. So he's like clearly thought this through, you know? Totally. Yeah. And somewhere between Seattle and Reno, a little after 8 PM, Cooper jumped out of the back of the plane with a parachute and the ransom money. And it's widely believed to be around Ariel, Washington. The pilots landed safely in Reno but Cooper had disappeared and the, his ultimate fate remains a mis- mystery to this day. Dun, dun, dun. It's like where the eerie music comes in. Oh, they also said that they were trying to like trail the plane. Again, they knew he was going to jump. So they were going to look for it. They used other planes to follow this Boeing plane, but they couldn't fly at that low of speed. They were like fighter planes mm-hmm. or fighter jets and they couldn't, you know, go that slow or that low. So it (laughs) wasn't successful. So this leads us into the investigation. The Mm -hmm. FBI was called immediately once they got that note, pretty (laughs) much. And they opened up an extensive investigation that lasted many years. They called it Norjack for Northwest Hijacking. And they interviewed hundreds of people, tracked leads across the nation, and scoured the aircraft for evidence. So he kept going by the name of Dan Cooper. But Mm -hmm. after numerous reportings, a reporter misheard his name and called him D.B. Cooper. And that name stuck. So when you look up a lot of things, it's D.B. Cooper more than Dan Cooper. Yeah, it's just funny. Like the media was the one who created this name that doesn't exist. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, obviously it was an alias to begin with. But yeah, it's interesting that they... Yeah. (laughs) Initially, the FBI believed that Cooper knew both planes and the area and it was speculated that he served in the military possibly as a paratrooper but later they were like "Mm, probably not because he did request those civilian parachutes you know Mm -hmm. if he had been in the military he would have been fine with the military ones and he failed to notice that his reserve parachute was shown shut for use in training also the area that he chose to jump out of was a heavily wooded area so it's not really like a good spot for even the most experienced skydiver yes yeah i was reading something as well that the pilot and the stewardess he had everybody go into the cockpit because so they didn't know what he was doing in the plane at all like they didn't have yeah they didn't have like a peephole through that door or anything so they had no idea and they, an alarm went off when he opened up the door, but they weren't quite sure when he jumped. I think there might have been 
something I, th- I think that what I was reading there was something that indicated he jumped but they were too afraid to open the door and have him like set off the bomb mm-hmm. to check so they didn't check until they landed in Reno and they <laughs> opened up the and then they were like, like oh hey, wait <laughs> he's gone <laughs> yeah <laughs> so during the investigation by the five-year anniversary of the hijacking they'd considered more than 800 suspects and eliminated all but two dozen from consideration. They did get some DNA from the plane. So some were ruled off out based on the DNA. And it, the DNA actually came from the tie Cooper took off before jumping. So mm-hmm. you got to keep your ties on everybody or like That's throw right. it out the plane, you know. <laughs> In 1980, eight-year-old boy found a decaying package that contained $5,800. And this is in the vicinity of that town in Washington. And the serial numbers of the money, which were all $20 bills, matched those of the ransom. They searched the whole area, obviously, when they found that because it clearly came from this hijacking mm-hmm. and nothing else was found. And again, it's only 5800 of the 200000 Right, right. That'd be a real bummer if you let it, like, <laughs> let it <laughs> go. bag loose. <laughs> yeah. Did it jump out when you were uh, getting out of the plane? Yeah. So the FBI still continues to receive tips, but in 2016, the agency officially closed its investigation, stating that the resources could be best used in other cases, which I would probably agree, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, that's a fair statement. (laughs) It's still super curious, but, you know, we, um, nobody died in the making of this movie, so maybe we should put the money or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. I think what's crazy about this whole story is that you can literally go onto the FBI's website and they talk about this detail for detail. I'm like, oh, okay. They're very open about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's a failing. We never found this person. This continues to be one of the greatest mysteries. Yeah. They're like, we're still fascinated by this. Yeah. <laughs> and all we have enjoy this story. When you look it up, you'll see, you know, a sketch of his face. There's two sketches yes. that just kept coming up every time we looked it up. Mm-hmm. That's really all we have. And yeah, he's kind of just like a normal looking dude. So it's a little bit tricky to pinpoint him. Exactly. Such an interesting story. Like I just can't imagine. And I've saw pictures too of the flight attendant. She was clearly distraught. I don't know. It's just a wild situation to go through. So many parts of it, you know, obviously like the hijacking and the threatening, but just him being so clever and being so smart and strategic about everything. Whoa, this dude has really thought about this. This is no spontaneous thing that he is trying to attempt. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I saw anything that mentioned if the bomb was real or not. I was thinking that too. Like that was honestly my first thought was just that, is this thing even real or not? Or is this a prop just to get the money? I mean, at the same time, I guess I wouldn't want to like mess with real or not real but I don't know I kind of feel like it could have been a prop yeah I kind of assumed that it was fake anyway and I feel like they would have put down if it was an actual bomb instead of saying mm-hmm. like a mass of wires and like red sticks you know they would have yeah <laughs> he would have exactly because if it really was real obviously he's very strategic in it but he the variable would be time and how long would it take for them to get the money and the parachute and then being able to take off and it's just like that's a lot of time you're making a bet on if you didn't get it 
you know, does that make sense? Am I making sense? <laughs> I don't, I don't pick up so what like, you're putting down. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say is he would have had to calculate how long it would take to get everything that he wanted and to exit out of the plane before the bomb took off, exploded, right? Because isn't it a bomb based off timing or no? Well, or I guess you yeah, get like a but- personal... Unless he just didn't set it off. Like it was prepared to start the ticking. Right. Didn't push the button to start the whole process. So complicated. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was real bomb. (laughs) Yeah, same, same. I don't think so either. I think he was too smart to do a real one. Yeah. And I mean, you don't really need a real one because even just the threat of one is enough to get things rolling. Exactly. Exactly. So... There are a lot of theories, as Shannon mentioned, about different suspects and what happened to him. So we're going to dive into that. But before we do, we're going to first hear a word from our sponsors. Alrighty, let's dive in on, I think, the most obvious one, which is just him dying on impact. So it's possible that Cooper didn't survive the jump at all from the plane and that the parachute he used couldn't be steered because if you really think about like the details, his clothing and footwear were really unsuitable for rough landing. And he had jumped into an extremely wooden area. So just the idea of him being able to land safely it's like maybe maybe not and it just would have been really really dangerous even for somebody who was a professional like let alone somebody who was not which we're kind of assuming he probably isn't and that this theory of him just like being dead on impact was added or given an added boost in the 80s so a little bit later when a young boy you know found the money that we talked about earlier. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, even if he did survive, wouldn't he want the money? <laughs> After all that work, wouldn't you keep the as much as possible? Or like, why would you let that go? Yeah, I mean, he would have hit a bunch of trees. So maybe something would have come mm-hmm. undone and some money would have dropped somewhere else than the rest of the money. But it does seem likely. <laughs> yep. Yep. But we don't have a body. You know, we don't have we anything. We don't have else. the body and we don't have like a parachute in the trees or anything like that. That's you a know? good point. I didn't even think about that because it'd be all tangled up, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. So nobody's found it. Nothing. Crazy. And I'm sure, or yeah, they did a bunch of flyovers, you know. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about the parachute. So unless you did a good job, but it's like if it's in Oregon, those trees are tall, so it'd be kind of hard <laughs> to try to take it down. I don't know. It just doesn't seem likely. So next up, we got a couple suspects, right? And mm-hmm. the first guy we have is a man named Richard Floyd McCoy. And this guy is probably like the number one suspect in the storytelling of D.B. Cooper. Back in the day, the FBI tracked down and arrested McCoy for a similar airplane hijacking. 
And he himself actually tried to do the same maneuvers by escaping by parachute. And this was less than five months after Cooper's flight. So people were wondering, wait, if he's doing the same exact strategy, could it be the same guy, especially with the timing of it all? It's like maybe, you know, things are starting to line up. But (laughs) McCoy was later ruled out because he didn't match the nearly identical physical descriptions of Cooper provided by the two flight attendants and just for other reasons. While serving his sentence for what he actually did, McCoy had a fake gun and escaped from prison, but was killed in a shootout with law enforcement. So it's kind of like interesting story, but definitely not tied to him. So it's weird how these people are all thinking the same thing. How can I use this flight to get some money and just hop out of plane? Yeah. And I mean, it did make me feel as though maybe he was a copycat person, you know, he saw because it was obviously all over the news, the hijacking by Cooper. So maybe he was just like, hey, that's a good idea. And then did it himself. Yep. I find it hard to believe that if you pulled off a stunt like that with that much money and it was so high risk that you would go and try to do the exact same thing again in five months. Yes. But maybe. But maybe. If you look at the per, uh, the the picture of the drawing in him, you know, I agree. I, I think that they don't really, they, they could be similar, but it's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell. But I also, when I looked at it, I was like, I mean, it doesn't not look like him. Right, right. It's not like he, they had a completely different face shape or mm-hmm. blonde, blonde hair versus brown hair. It was you know yeah I could you know all we have are these drawings that are based off of flight attendants memories which as we know from our memory episode is deeply flawed (laughs) (laughs) deeply especially when it's traumatic exactly but yeah I guess we will never know because he died in that shootout shootout yeah okay now we have another guy we got to talk about and his name is Robert Rackstraw So in the late 1970s, the FBI briefly investigated him, but it was later dismissed because he would have been too young to fit D.B. Cooper's description that was like given by all the crew members. So his background was he was a former Army helicopter pilot who had been awarded a Silver Star for valor. But he was later arrested on charges of murdering his stepfather, but was acquitted in a trial in 1978. So he has like a very dark life. And the following year, he faced charges of an aircraft theft and possessions of or possession of explosives and check fraud. My goodness, check fraud is like a big, big, big thing. And he was convicted and spent more than a year in jail before being released in 1980. So he died actually kind of recently in 2019 with people still believing it was him so even though he was considered a little bit too young for the situation that we were talking about with db cooper his background and just kind of his like bad boyness i guess you could say (laughs) was kind of similar but again close but no cigar why are there so many plane hijackings? Was it just because there was no TSA? Why does this keep happening? Yeah, <laughs> which is just so scary because it's like you're up in the air. It's already a scary situation to be in. You know, you're in this craft that can somehow fly and then you want to do this. Shout yeah. out to TSA. Yeah. 
Alrighty, so now let's dive into the last suspect on our list. And it is L.D. Cooper. So a woman by the name of Marla Cooper has come forward claiming that her uncle, Lynn Doyle Cooper, was the hijacker. And I feel like in these stories, there's always got to be somebody who's like, wait, I know who it is. And it is blah, 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 you know? Yeah. So Marla Cooper decided to come forward after piecing together some vague childhood memories that were reinforced by comments her parents made to her in the most or in like the more recent years, which is just kind of, I love the work that you're doing, Marla, but again, the memory (laughs) thing we, as we learned is not reliable. (laughs) Right, right. And so anyway, so she recalled seeing her uncle and another uncle during a family gathering at her grandmother's house in Oregon around Thanksgiving 1971. And she said, quote, it seems like they were planning something very mischievous. And she adds, I was watching them use or I was watching them using some very expensive walkie talkies that they had purchased and that her uncles then left to supposedly go turkey hunting. And when they returned, my uncle LD was wearing a white t-shirt and was bloody and bruised and a mess. And I was horrified. So I began to cry. I asked them what happened. And then they told me that they had been in a car accident. But she had also recalled overhearing one of her uncles say, we did it. Our money problems are over. We've hijacked an airplane. And she recounted hearing them ask her father to help them go back into the woods and find the money. So she had this like exclusive interview with ABC and she told ABC that her uncle had served in the Korean War, but was not a paratrooper. So she recalled that he was obsessed with like a Canadian cartoon. He was like a skydiving hero named Dan Cooper and even kept a Dan Cooper comic book tack to the wall. So she believes that he had died in 99, which is kind of like weird that she believes like, wait, did you like not have a connection? Did he not keep up with the family? Yeah, I think I saw that she last saw him in like 1972 or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So he just like got a bunch of money and like left the fam. And the FBI did compare the DNA sample that they have of the hijacker with that of LD Cooper's daughter. And so there is no match. So the feds then dismissed him as a suspect. It's one of those stories. You had me up until the end, but then once the DNA came out, like once the actual proof was there, it's like, oh, okay. Like this is just a really good story, which now I'm like, maybe Marlon, they really did get in a car accident. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they really were going turkey hunting. Yeah. Like maybe they really were. (laughs) And I also just find it hard to believe that let's just say her, her uncles did do it. Right. I can understand talking and saying we did it, our money problems are over. I can understand that in casual conversation. But I don't think they would say we've hijacked an airplane. Do you know what I mean? I feel like when you're recounting something, you're not saying, oh, we, we, you just say we did it. You don't say like, we did X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Or like, certainly not in front of people you don't not want in front to of, know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or children that have loose lips I don't know <laughs> this lips exactly it's just so weird and then all of a sudden he disappears you haven't seen him since that's kind of weird but a for effort you know 
Yeah, I really, really want this one to be true just Me because too. it has some, you know, juicy details to it. But yep. I don't know if we can rely on Marla's memory. I agree. I agree. Yeah, unfortunately. So that being said, Shannon, what do you think? Where's your tinfoil hat on all of these theories? I don't know. I'm I know. I'm trying to like rack my brain. It's it's not on for LD Cooper. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't I'm like reading over what we wrote. Just <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Robert Rackshaw? Rackstraw? Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So Prior to recording, I would have said he died on impact, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. That. We would have heard something. Yada, yada, yada. However, you bring up an excellent point about the whole parachute. We would have definitely found a parachute. Right? Like, there's just, like, some evidence. Unless he really cleaned it up. I mean, I guess that is true. But that still means that he didn't die on impact. You know, like, if you're dead, right. there's no cleaning up the parachute. Right, right. Unless you were well enough to clean it up and then you succumb to your injuries later. I don't know. But yeah. maybe he, maybe it's none of these people and he did really get to, you know, Mexico or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm honestly leaning towards. I'm like, if he didn't die, I'm kind of 50-50 on he did die and like, I don't really know where his stuff is. But the other 50s, I don't know if it's any of these people. I kind of think he got away with it. Yeah, he could have just gone to Canada or Mexico or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. living his life, doing whatever. Totally. I mean, I guess he'd be dead now, right? If he was in his 40s and the 70s? Yeah, probably. So we will literally never know. I guess he'd be in his 90s. So there's like a, you know, like a maybe. There's a question mark. But yeah, I kind of think that it's like very 50-50 for me. Like either he died or it's none of these and he's out there somewhere. So neither of these two guys are really doing it for you? Me. None of these. Yeah, these two guys aren't really doing it for me. LD Cooper, definitely not. I don't know. Like, yeah, he's just all- so strategic about it that I feel like there's a chance, like, he could have done it. And the money that came out, maybe it just flew out or something. Yeah. Like, that to me wouldn't be surprising. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'll put my money on that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, just because I think Richard Floyd McCoy, like he, I don't think he, the guy would have done it again five months later. So that just like yeah does not track yeah. for me. And then the other guy, again, this guy also was charged with aircraft theft, and it's like you can't, you would not do that again and again. I can see mm-hmm. robbing a bank again and again, just because it's a little bit less involved. But mm-hmm. <laughs> hijacking a plane is the next a lot, year, and I just don't think. And you know, it's a big story. You know, the FBI is on you. And if you really do have what is in today's money, $1.4 million, you're good. Like, I don't really see a reason why you'd want to continue. Yeah, especially if you go to Mexico, you're real good, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, you're living well. And he has such a bland face that he could just, you know, get away with anything. (laughs) Exactly. People probably aren't stopping him. Yeah. And we only have drawings. So it's not even like we have a good photo to go off and alert authorities when you see him. Exactly. So, Imagine yeah. like if that were to happen today, though, like how technology is just so much different. Like we would have so much information. Yeah. Like he wouldn't even have been able to get on the plane with anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. 
just wild but such a good story you did just remind me I was on a plane uh this weekend and the flight attendants were picking up all the trash you know or Mm -hmm. asking for the trash as they're walking down the aisle and somebody was giving them kind of I don't know if a hard time is the right word but like she had to ask multiple times to get the can back from the person uh-huh. And the person was kind of like, no, like either like I'm not done or something, but the flight was landing and she's like, um, no, we need it. The flight attendant was like, we need that because it could be crushed and used as a weapon. Like, oh, oh, oh okay. okay. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> yeah. Like suddenly I'm unsafe. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, right. Anything can be used as a weapon. Fantastic. True. <laughs> like but, you go, yeah. lady, take that away from him. Yeah, I think it was actually a woman that she was taking it away from, but oh, nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let us know what you guys think. I'm very curious to know what our listeners think. Thank you for the suggestion from our listener. If you guys have any suggestions, please be sure to list, reach out to us on Instagram at barerootspod, B-A-R-E, and we'll be sure to take a look. And who knows, your suggestion could be our next episode. So until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Valor. And I'm going to... Oh, it's not Valor. sounds very like, like designer fashion <laughs> i know like i'm giving it like a little french twist